0: Last week we started a, a sermon series called Burn the Plow, Eat the Cow. I told you it has nothing to do with meat and so if you're a vegan just take a deep breath. We're not going to offend you yet, right? But, uh, but we're, we're, we started a sermon series and I, I explained, I said you're going to understand real quickly what I'm talking about. So we started following the life of a man named Elisha and here's why I love Elisha. Elisha is going to be used as a great man of God. In fact, I believe he sees more done in and through his life than maybe anybody, anybody else in the Bible outside of, of Jesus and, and Moses. This, this guy, like, he sees God work in his life, but here's the cool thing, just a normal guy. We get introduced to him, he's a farmer. And so I told you, most of you, you can relate, maybe not a farmer, and I, and I, I said, unless you're in Limerick, and you know, I heard that offended them, and so and you're not all farmers, they're just half of you. And so, uh, but... But we can relate to that. We're just normal people. And God comes knocking and he says, hey, I want to use your life. And we go through different things. Can he use my life? Am I qualified? You know, am I able? What does it take to be used by God? And so last week, we kind of started a journey. We're going to follow along kind of through his story. Uh, But last week, I I started with with the story when when, when Elijah came. Elijah is the prophet. He comes to Elisha. Elijah's famous. He would have been known. Many people never saw him before, and he puts his cloak on Elisha. We're going to read this again so you remember the story. And essentially what he's saying is, you're next. You're next. And so I talked to you about the moments when God comes, and and I said, there's going to be an opportunity for, for God to work in your life. And you're going to have to make a decision. And the decisions that you make when he calls you are going to determine where you're going. And you'll notice in, in Scripture, when we read it, that, that he decided, I'm not going to go back. I'm not even going to give my chance, the, my, myself the opportunity to go back. And so I told you, I said, the reason people quit is that the option to quit is there. Why? The refusal to kill the old often allows the old to, to kill the new. And so I I encourage you, I said, don't make it an option, and here's how you don't make it an option to quit, is you recognize the huge opportunity and privilege that it is for God to even want to use your life. Remember I said last week, outside of God, you're nothing. You're just one in a billion. There's somebody better than you, there's somebody better looking than you, there's somebody with a better body than you, there's somebody with more Instagram followers than you, there's somebody with a better Snapchat than you, there's, so, there's a better soccer player than you, if you're, if you're an athlete, a football player, whatever you are, somebody, you're just a normal person, but with God, you're just one. God made one of you, he put you at this time in history to accomplish something very specific to build his kingdom ultimately for his glory. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks kind of checking out what happened after after God calls him, and so I want to jump back into 1 Kings 19, and we're going to spend uh, a few weeks in this same passage, and so I want to read it again so you understand what's happening, but scripture says in verse number 19, and the words will be on the screen, it says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yokes of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah." Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, because I'm probably not going to see them again. I don't know when I'm coming back. And then I will come to you. Go back, Elisha replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him, went back. Took, he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He took what, what was his and slaughtered him. He burned the plying equipment to cook the meat and gave it to his people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah, And I want to focus on this word today. And he became, and next week we're going to talk about his, his servant. We're going to spend a couple weeks in these words, but, but he became, and I want to talk to you very specifically about this. Here's what I found out. There's a season between when God calls you and when God uses you. There's a season. There, there, there's, there's, a, there's preparation. You see, we oftentimes want the promise of God without the preparation from God, or we often want the payout without the pay-in. Like, there was a season between, for me personally, there was a season between when we started Journey Church and what Journey Church is today. There was a long season. Sometimes it was tedious and sometimes it was overwhelming and a lot of times it was depressing and if I could have moved, I would. And there was a, there was a promise. I knew what the promise was. I knew what God wanted to do through my life and with this church, and, but it wasn't there. We, we want the marriage that God promise, uh, promises us, but we don't want the in-between season that it takes to actually get prepared for that marriage. We just want the Hallmark movie marriage. You know what I'm talking about, guys, if you have a wife that watches that crap, right? You just want... You just want that. That's all we watch in my house right now. Thank you, Halloween or fall and Christmas and winter and whatever else there is. Hallmark can find a love story for it. <laughs> See, my wife, that's the first note she's been taking. Got to find the Hallmark movie. Some of you guys are going, I hate this church. I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> we, we, want the, we want the happy marriage without the work. We want the, want the business that's successful without the work. Here's the thing about, about following God and life in general. There are no overnight successes. There, there's no such thing as a flash in the bucket overnight success. If you want what God has for you, you got to pay into it. You got to put stuff into it. It's kind of like when I was 22 years old, 23, my wife brought me home this, this resource from a man named Dave Ramsey. He teaches a class called Financial Peace, and she said, you're 23. You're an idiot with money, this is that conversation. She said, I started taking this Sunday school class at our first church. You should go. You know what my reaction was? Woman, don't tell me what to do with my money. I don't need some expert telling me what to do with my money. I'll spend it where I want. I don't care if we're in debt. At least we get to go out to eat 17 times a week. I'm going to do this. And so she just set this on my my, my, my nightstand. And so I did what, what all men do. I, I, went, I, was, I was in the, the facilities one day, and I needed something to read, and this is before smartphones, so it was either Snake, you guys remember Snake or, or Dave Ramsey, so I took Dave Ramsey and I started reading it, blew my mind stuff, and the one thing he talked about is being wise and saving from retirement, and if you start when you're young, you put stuff into a mutual, mutual fund, a Roth IRA, uh, uh, you put money in there, you just put a couple bucks in there every month, you know, if it gains a certain amount of interest with snowballs, and every seven years, here's how much money you can have, and I'm on the toilet, the toilet right, everywhere. right my mind is blown and essentially what he was saying is is if if you want that someday you got to pay in every month today you live like nobody else lives today so in the future you can live like nobody else lives same thing is same thing is true when it comes to following God there's things when God calls you that you're then going to have to pay into we're going to see this today You're going to have to do certain things. You can't get the pay out without putting the pay in. And so I want to focus on that word became. Became, because here's why. God is first concerned with who you are becoming because it will determine if you can handle where you are going. There is nothing worse than God giving you what he's called you to do without you getting prepared for it. You will ruin it. Some of you pray all the time, I want that marriage, I want that business, I want that career, I want to, God, I want to be used by you, and God will say, that's great, but here's the necessary steps to get you prepared to handle it, because if I give it to you too soon, it will, it will ruin you, and you will destroy my plan, and I want you to notice that. I want you to notice that word, because here's what's very interesting about the story in the book of, of the Bible. The Bible says he gets called in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you keep reading the story after it says he became a servant, we're going to focus on that word next week because God's call for you is bigger than just you. And so I want you to come back and listen, but the becoming part is really important. And so I read through scripture and I noticed in 1 Kings chapter 20, it doesn't say, and Elisha goes out and destroys armies and performs miracles and walks on water and he has his own cloak. You know what it says about Elisha in the next chapter? Nothing. Nothing. He gets his great call, he burns his plow, right? He eats his cow, he starts walking, he's like, "Let's go, Elijah. I'm ready. Let's do this, Elijah. Give me a cloak. Where's my staff? Let me call down rain. Let me call down some fire." And scripture doesn't say anything about him. You ever been there? I've been given for 3 weeks. And nothing's happened yet. I've been single You told me to break up with my girlfriend and my boyfriend. And so I broke up with them three days ago. And I've been waiting. (laughs) You told me to switch careers. And so I switched careers and I started this new job that God was calling me to. And last week was awful. It was awful. Like this is the moment he's in. He's left. He's left everything he knows. His mommy and daddy are gone. And he's nowhere in the story. You keep reading into 1 Kings 20, 21. Nothing. 1 Kings 22, nothing. 2 Kings 1, nothing. We don't even know it. The only thing we know about his life at this point, really, at one point, if you keep reading, is that at some point, he got the reputation for being the one that poured water on Elijah's hands when they were dirty. What? I gave up everything for that. He doesn't appear in the story until 2 Kings Chapter 2, and here's what I need you to remember. Just because no one is seeing anything does not mean that God is not doing anything. Just because, just because the stuff you're doing is not making headlines does not mean that God is not doing something. Before He is doing anything for you, He's interested in what you're becoming, right? Because who you're becoming determines how far you're going. So he had to spend some time becoming, and here's the thing about it, becoming is a process that most of us hate. Most of us don't want to put the time in. Most of us don't want to be behind the scenes. Most of us don't want to start in ministry by washing toilets. That was my first job in ministry almost 20 years ago. You scrub the toilets at a Christian school, right? And, and I'm not sure if they ever learn how to aim, right? Like you, that's your... Job. Most of us want to show up. We want the platform. We want to walk up. We don't want to stutter through nothing. We don't want to say um between our speech. We just want to be awesome for God. You need to understand. There's always a process to being great for God. There's always a time frame. I took one of my my sons. I took all of them, but I want to talk about one of them to Chick Fil A this week. Christian chicken. And so we went there before welcome to church. It blesses the night when we go there. And so we went there before welcome to church. And, you know, Chick-fil-A always gives, gives toys in the kids' meals. And so, you know, I get, I get them kids' meals. And the rule in our house is you don't get to open the prize until you finish your chicken. Because if you open the prize before you finish your chicken, you never eat your chicken. And the chicken is what makes you healthy. Same principle with God. We want the prize. We don't want to eat the chicken. Some of you are vegan. You go, I don't eat chicken. You eat the salad before you get your prize, right? do whatever whatever you eat just is, you eat that before you get your prize and so they get this little this little light up sword thing i don't even know what it's from i don't know if it's from star wars i'm not sure how that whole relationship works with chick-fil-a and star wars and all that stuff and so i'm not sure what it is but they want it like my my middle my youngest son before the, the other kids don't care they he wants this thing like he is going to die so he takes that he's like can i open it? i'm like you know the rules eat your chicken and harrison is historically a slow eater right so I'm like, eat your chicken, then you can have your, your sword or whatever it is, right? You can have it as soon as it's done. It lights up all that stuff. And so I see him out of the corner of my eye because I just assume, and I know some of you do, you know, my, my kids are just going to listen to what I tell them to do. They're good kids. They're not, they're not sinners. They're not, you know, rebellious, going to hell kids. They're good kids, right? And so he's going to listen to me, I assume wrong. So he's eating, right? And I see him take a bite, and oftentimes he'll drop something on the floor because that's what little kids do. You ever notice that? You're like, why do you drop everything, and so I see him kind of take a bite, and then I see this, like, I see him, like, do this, and I thought, you know, something fell, right, and I thought it was an accident, so I'm talking to my wife, we're getting ready for welcome to church, and a few minutes later, all of his chicken is gone. I'm talking, like, in less than two minutes, I'm like, I'm like, boy, I'm like, you did a great job, Harrison, you must have been really hungry, and the whole time, I'm telling him, "Mm mm-hmm, 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 and so something happens. I'm looking around. I'm like, how did he eat this? Let me see your mouth. You don't even have no crumbs all over your face. Like, where would he go? I look down. I don't see one chicken nugget. I see one, two, three, and f- every chicken nugget that was supposed to be in his stomach is on the floor. He's looking at me. He's going, I'm ready for the sword. You know what I told him? You don't, not only don't you get the sword now, you never get the sword. <laughs> It was, quite, it was quite thrilling for me, actually. <laughs> you ever try to give a four-year-old a, a, a lecture? He don't care. He just wants the sword. And I thought to myself when that happened, first of all, my sermon was already done at this point, and I thought to myself, I've been looking for a good sermon illustration. So thank you very much for being such an idiot, right? And so this is great. going to work out for me. He wants the chicken, or he wants the sword. He doesn't want to eat the chicken. He doesn't want to go through the process. He doesn't want to chew and swallow and all that stuff. He just wants the prize. And many of you will miss God's call because you expect the prize to come without the process. And I want to focus on that process. And I want you to remember it by this acronym. And some of you are going to go right to the cool clothes that were cool in 1990, but they're not cool anymore. But I want you to remember the acronym GAP. And some of you are going, GAP's still cool. Because you were in the 90s, right? Like, no teenager goes, I'm going to the GAP, right? <laughs> GAP's cool for us. And so GAP, here's what the GAP is, right? The GAP is the distance between when God calls you And when he's ready to use you. And and the gap, I want you to remember this. You've taken notes because the notes aren't going to be on the screen today. We had a little technical issues. But the gap is this. is God-appointed preparation. It's the distance between when God calls you and when you're ready to be used. It's God-appointed. It's from God. Everything that happens in this season is from God for your good. Some of it's going to be lonely. We're going to, we're going to see this next week. Some of it is, is going to be boring. Some of it you're going to do and nobody's going to notice. Some things you're going to do, you're going to put work into things and it's not going to work out. And you're going to think, God, why am I doing this? But every moment in this season, even when you feel like it's not, is what I would call a God-appointed preparation it's the gap between when God calls you and when God uses you and I want to give you four kind of encouraging things uh, and we're going to talk very specifically about two things over the next two weeks that happen in the gap serving learning how to serve and learning how to stay sometimes I talk to pastors and they're like you know how how does your church grow and how did it get to this point point?" and I just said you know I was just dumb enough to stay around long enough to see God do something it didn't happen in the first couple of years it was actually it was awful didn't happen in the first, like, it, we haven't ever had a season in our church where it's just been like, poof, just simply being, being staying. And we're going to look at that in Elisha's life, staying and serving. But I want to give you four things, of thoughts about the gap. God-appointed preparation. Number one is this, is there is always going to be a gap between being called and being complete. There's always in your life going to be a gap between being called and being complete and being ready to go. You know how long the time frame for Elisha was? Some theologians believe it was six years. Some theologians believe it was up to ten years. So we're just going to say eight years. Eight years passes. Elisha comes in, puts his cloak on him. Elisha, Elisha does his great thing, burns and eats and all stuff, has a party, says goodbye. And then eight years pass of nothing happening. Some of you, you just took a deep breath. You're like, Phew, it's been two months for me. I feel much better. I think I'm probably still in the season. Like, there is always going to be a time frame between when God calls you and you being complete. You see, getting called qualifies you to be used by God. But it does not quantify that it will actually happen. It qualifies you. The, the cool thing is, is God doesn't call the qualified, or, 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 or he, he goes after people that, just like you and me, and he says, I'll qualify you. I'll train you. I'll teach you. I'll bring things out of your life that you didn't know were in there. I'll fill you with power through the Holy Spirit, and I'll I'll enable you to do things that you never even dreamed that you could do. But just because he says he'll do that doesn't mean it'll happen because you need to be willing to go through the gap. God-appointed preparation. And just because you're called doesn't mean that it's actually going to occur in your life. This happened to me all the time. I remember when I was in Bible college and kids were taking this test. And the test was a test to say if you were going to be credentialed to be a pastor. So you, you take a couple years of school, you take this long test, and then it, and you pass it. They'll say, you are officially a pastor. And I remember a lot of them, you know, at 20 years old, they would come to me. I didn't take the test uh, because I'm not good at, at, at school. And so and I couldn't pass it. But they took it two years into college, and they would come and they say, I'm officially a pastor. I'm officially a pastor. And I said, All right, well, where are you pastoring? Because on Sunday, you were sleeping in beside me. You're pastoring that bedside assembly, Right preaching to your pillow like what what are you pastor well no 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 i'm not pastoring yet like i don't have a job but i'm qualified you know what's very interesting about that a lot of those men and those women that took that test two years into college they're not pastors anymore they quit because they got out of bible college and like they didn't tell me it was going to be like this they didn't tell me people were that crazy they didn't tell me it was difficult they didn't tell me and so just because you're qualified doesn't mean it's quantified just because you get engaged doesn't mean you're going to stay married are you with me There's a process. If you don't listen to anything else and you're engaged, you better get prepared. You better go through God-appointed preparation. Because just because you're engaged doesn't mean you're going to stay married. Listen, just because you get a job doesn't mean you're going to build a career. There's work that, that goes in there. Just because you get drafted number two overall doesn't mean you become Carson Wentz. There's work put into that. There's background work, there's God-appointed preparation, there's, there's film study, there's getting to the practice facility early, there's waking up before anybody is even knowing you're woken up, there's going to the gym, and I'm using football, but I want it to be spiritual application, there's going to the gym and getting spiritually fit and getting ready, there is always a gap between where you're being called and if you're actually going to be ready. You see, Elisha was called, but he was not ready. He needed those eight years to watch how Elijah interacted with people. He needed those eight years to figure out that it was going to be okay if he felt all alone, except that God would never leave him. He needed those eight years to feel what it was like to be hungry and have God feed them. He needed those eight years to feel what it was like to have people be upset with him because of what he was saying, because God told him to say it, and he was not going to be a people pleaser, he was going to be a God pleaser. You need the opportunities in your life to get ready I can promise you right now, God wants to do something in your life, but there's a distance, there's a gap between where you're at and where he wants to take you, and you need to embrace it. Number two is this, is I will say this, no one gets to skip the gap. Nobody, no matter who you are, no matter how trained you are, no matter how great you were at school, no matter if you were the valedictorian, the the most brightest kid in your art class, the best musician, no matter if you grew up in church or you didn't grow up in church, no matter where you've been, no one anywhere gets to skip the gap. And you see it in Scripture. You might not be a Bible person, but the one thing I noticed, kind of the habit or the the, the fluidity of Scripture, is that every person who's called, there's always a distance between when when they're called and and when they're used. Go to the story of Joseph. If you don't know a lot about him, uh, Joseph's called through dreams. God gives him dreams. He's going to do amazing things. He's the youngest son. His father loves him. He gives him the cold of many colors. His brothers hate him, but he's having all these dreams. And so sometimes when you're having dreams but you're immature, you shouldn't open up your mouth because your dreams will get you in trouble, even though they're right. His brothers end up hating him, sell him off into slavery, fake his death, and it looks like his life was open. And there was a gap between when he had the dreams and when he actually stepped into leadership. He spent time in prison. He spent time as a slave. He spent time when nobody was watching him. He spent time all alone. He had a great dream, but he needed to go through the God-appointed preparation to handle The dream. If you don't know anything about Moses and Joshua, Joshua is his understudy. He's going to follow Moses. He's going to lead the people of God into the promised land. But he follows Moses around for 40 years in the wilderness. He's not the leader, he follows him around for 40 years until he's ready to lead. David, the young shepherd boy, God anoints him as king. And you know what doesn't happen in the next chapter? He gets a crown. What happens in a few chapters is he's hiding out in the cave, afraid for his life, because the current king, who is jealous of God's anointing, wants to kill him, and the greatest story in the Bible is when God has anointed you, if God is for you, no man can be against you. And he ends up becoming king, but there's a lot of years in between when he gets anointed and when he's king. Elisha, he spends 10 years between when he burns the plow and eats the clow and when he's actually the prophet. Peter spends three years following Jesus, and we could argue he probably needed some more time, am I right? Even Jesus, he spent 40 days because he's God. But even Jesus went out in the wilderness to get prepared for his earthly ministry. The Bible says he faced temptation so that we could overcome it. Because if he can overcome it in the same power that will live inside of him, lives inside of us, then there's no temptation that can overwhelm us because nothing overwhelmed Jesus. Even Jesus went out into a season. See, there's a a gap between when God calls you and when he can use you. And I promise you that the gap is coming for your life. And the only reason I can promise you that is because I've experienced it. There was a gap between when I was 22 and when I'm 38. Some of you are going, duh. But I remember standing in a a youth room in an old-fashioned church, and we used to sing hymnals and things like that. And I would go back in the youth room on a a Saturday night and get set up for kids' church. And I used to blare. Music that sounded a lot like what we hear today. And I would sing as loud as I could. I thought I was going to be a worship leader. It wasn't wasn't going to happen for me. And I would sing as loud as I can. And then I would go back into church the next morning. And I would be around. And I'd be like, there's a gap. Like, this is what I feel like. This tenacity, this energy, this this loudness. What's going on here? This is what I feel like you're calling me to. But I'm definitely far from that. And it was 16 years between then and and now. There's, There's a gap. There was a gap between getting called when I was 18 and standing on the stage as 38. And in the middle of that gap was a lot of things that I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy cleaning, cleaning toilets as my first job. In fact, I was downright ticked off. I've been going to Bible college for four years, God, Bible college, a.k.a. boring, right? <laughs> Learning stuff that I'm never going to use, Right? Being around people that are not going to be at my church. We're all going to be alone somewhere else. Like, this is, I don't know how it's helping me. And then my first job is a janitor at a church. Not a good church, not a big church. A church in Siegelville, Texas. Google that. It's like Schwanksville, Pennsylvania, right? 100 people there doing chili cook-offs and potlucks and all sorts of stuff, painting walls colors that nobody else would paint because it's mistinted and they can't afford nothing else. And I used to clean toilets for this church, and I remember being there and thinking, this is not what you called me to. Yes, it was. It was God-appointed preparation because if you can keep the crap off the toilet seats, you'll be able to keep the religious crap out of your church someday so that you can keep your eyes focused on what's real and true and right. There were seasons in my life when I didn't understand it. And I need you to understand that no one gets to skip the gap. No one. There's a gap between for me when God called me to start this church and it actually happening. There's a gap for many of you between your last awful relationship and the one God has destined for you. There's a gap between changing the way you handle your money and the blessing that God has financially for you there's a gap between changing careers and actually understanding what your next step is there's a gap and nobody escapes it there's a gap between when you're called and when you're complete and ready to go number three is this is i I love this point is the, the larger the call the longer the gap the larger god's purpose for your life oftentimes the longer that, that the gap is in your life. Like, if you've been experiencing something over the last two, three, four, five years, I want to encourage you with that thought. that maybe you haven't seen your breakthrough yet. Maybe you've been faithful. Maybe you've been obedient. And maybe for some of you, you're ready to throw in the towel, but you're like, I've been doing the right thing, and I'm still not married. Meanwhile, every, you know, Sam and Harry, or whatever the other word is you're supposed to say in that, comes into church. And they meet their spouse on the first Sunday, or they get married, or all my friends are doing this, or I've been, I've been working at the same job, looking for another job for a long time, and I show up early, and I, and I do what I'm supposed to do, and it still hasn't happened. And I would encourage you with this thought, oftentimes, the larger that the call of God is on your life, the longer that you stay in the gap. The longer that you need to be trained. It says in Luke 12, and I love this verse, it says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. If God wants to do something crazy big through your life, oftentimes he needs to allow you to sit in a season where he can teach you things that maybe somebody else isn't going to have to know because he has a greater call on your life. Everybody has a call. But for those of us who God wants to use in a mighty way, Oftentimes, he allows us to sit in a God-appointed preparation for a longer amount of time because he needs you to handle more. And because he's calling you to handle more, he needs to enable you to stay there a little, a little longer. I can't explain it any other way than the Karate Kid movie. I asked this girl that was babysitting for us this weekend. I said, you ever seen the Karate Kid? I don't know why I was thinking of Karate Kid. I said, you ever seen the Karate Kid, the real one? And she said, yeah, the one with the, the Smith boy. I said, that's not the real Karate Kid. You have a, you're have you sad. <laughs> real Karate Kid has Mr. Miyagi. And the white boy, I don't know what his name is. It's the white Karate Kid, the white boy, right? Little skinny guy, Daniel. That guy. No, I, never, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, that's the real Karate Kid. And I said, you know what I loved about the Karate Kid? I loved that for the entire movie, the whole time you're watching you're thinking, just let the kid fight. Let him fight. Let him defend himself. Let him go into the Cobra Kai and kick some Cobra Kai backside. let him do that. And every time it, you thought it would be time for him to fight, he would go, no, no, no. Here's a fence. Paint. Here's a car. wax on, wax off, right? Here's a, here's a boat. Learn to balance. You're like, let's let the man fight. Let him defend himself. And for me, the whole time I was watching, I was going, he's going to get in that tournament. Just let him go in there and prove that he knows a little bit of karate. And here's the thing, the whole time I bet he in that movie Daniel was thinking the same thing, just let me fight, and his plan was just to go in and defend himself, but Mr. Miyagi's plan was for him to be the champion. There's a a difference. And so every time he got on the brink, it was like, no, 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 you're not yet ready to be the champion, because before you can be the champion, I need to teach you the crane, right? We haven't learned the crane yet. Some of y'all are going, man, when's God going to give me an opportunity? There's a little bit more that He needs to teach you because some of you just want to get married, and His plan for your marriage is much bigger than just marriage. It's changing people's lives through the testimony of actually having a healthy marriage where you look at your spouse and you go, I'm thankful for you. Truthfully, you make me better i didn't settle and so sometimes you got to sit a little bit longer sometimes you got to sit in a career a little bit longer going god i'm not sure why you keep having me here but this must mean you have something incredible to do in and through my life and i need you to understand it's not because you're so messed up that god is keeping you that long it's because he made you for something so great it's not necessary some of you it is because you're messed up he needs to keep you here for a little longer keep being disobedient, keep being unwise. He's going, okay, I'm going to leave you here again. That's a whole nother sermon. I'm talking about the people that are committed, that are faithful, that are trusting God, and you're going, God, where are you at? Looking at my clock, looking around. It's not because you're so messed up. No, no, no. It's because you're made for something greater. And number four is this, is the main goal of the gap, and we're going to see this, is to learn to handle God's call. I want you to remember this phrase. God's plan without God's preparation always leads to disaster. Don't forget it. God's plan without God's preparation in your life and my life will always lead to disaster. What you can't handle, you will never be able to hold on to. That's what happens. People try to run into God's call, his plan, and what they can't handle, you're never able to hold on. I see it all the time in my line of work. I see guys bailing out. I see guys having an affair on their on their wives. I see guys guys getting addicted to pornography. I see guys just getting plumb, disgusted by the ministry, sick of people. What happens, guys. I see them just bailing out. I think to myself often, I wonder if you would have gone through more of a time of preparation. I wonder if you went through more of a time of, of getting ready because just because you begin to grab a hold of it doesn't mean you're going to be able to hold on to it so if you can't handle it you can't hold on to it oftentimes before you can handle being known you have to be able to handle not being seen that, that's how it goes oftentimes before you can handle power you need to learn how to submit some of you are going I don't want to serve under somebody guess what if you never learn how to serve underneath somebody, God will never give you the keys to trust you to, to serve and lead other people. Submission is a big deal to God. God, I'm, I'm here to serve. God, you build my platform. I'll do whatever you call me to do. Before you can learn to lead, you have to learn to be led. Before you can stand on a, pa- a platform, you need to learn to serve in, in, in private this is what happens it's like a teenager having a baby you know what often happens it's disaster babies are a blessing from God but if you, if you give a teenager a baby before they're able to handle it or even a young couple it often leads to disaster Oftentimes, many people will say our marriage got, got on the rocks when we had a couple kids we weren't prepared for it we weren't prepared not to make them the center of our world we weren't pref- prepared to not go boop every time they were around we worship you we weren't, we, you know how that happens. We weren't, we weren't prepared to bring them with us, not make it all about them. And so what happens is they pull us they pull us apart. Why? God's plan, his kids are good. Without his preparation leads to, disa- to disaster. Here's what I know. You don't hear much about Elisha's life for eight years. Because many times God must do private work in your life to prepare you for the public work he wants to do through your life. You have to embrace the seasons when nobody's watching. That's why in Scripture, in the New Testament, when they're talking about appointing leaders for the church, one of the stipulations for appointing a leader of the church was real simple in 1 Timothy 3. It said that the person that you appoint, he must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. You give somebody something too quick, they often ruin it. And some of you, you want the pay out without being willing to put the pay in. It's the same principle. You live like nobody else is living. So in a few years, you can do what not many God followers are doing. But there is a price to pay. Some of you are right dab in the middle of the gap, the God-appointed preparation. And you've been ready to throw in the towel. And today you've heard me tell you with encouragement, hey, maybe it's been longer Because the plan is larger. The larger the plan, oftentimes, the more God needs you to learn. Why? To whom much is given, much is required. I want you to to embrace this time. I want you to handle it well because the way you handle it determines where you go from here. The way you keep serving. The way you keep giving. The way you keep showing up at your work. The way you keep loving your spouse, even when they make you sick. The way you keep treating other people the the right way, the way Jesus would treat them, even when they don't treat you the right way. That The times in your lives when you do something kind and nobody knows it. And you go, why am I doing this? Everybody's just stepping right through it. It's like I planted flowers and they're just trouncing through them and not even caring. I'm tired of doing this. And God's going, no, 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 it's not about them at all. I'm doing something in your life. That's why it's so important and scripture informs us. It says to fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Every day, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our lives. He's perfecting you in the gap. He's authoring your future in, in the gap. He, he's with you every step of the way. And I need to encourage you. Nobody escapes it. Nobody. If God wants to do something in your life, He first needs to do something if, if through your life. He needs to do something in your life. He is concerned with who you are becoming because it determines where you're, you're going. Would you stand with